Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Five Stripe Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United. I'm Jay Sam Jones from Dirty Sauce Soccer. This show is sponsored by Dirty Sauce Soccer. And Joe Patrick from the aforementioned Dirty Sauce Soccer is over there. Say hey, Joe. As always, still waiting on that sponsorship check Yeah, wh- from Dirty Sauce Soccer. If only the people running it over there were on their shit. Pull some strings. Pull some strings. If we have to, like, make overtures to somebody to get it done, we'll do it. We'll do it. Joe Patrick, once again, we have convinced someone against their best interest to show up on our show. How do we do it? Uh, I think we, we tempted him with pizza, and uh-huh. once we lured him in, we have him at gunpoint, and we won't uh-huh. let him leave until he talks to us. Wonderful. That particular person at gunpoint and eating free pizza is Harrison Crow from American Soccer Analysis. The best MLS analytics site on the internet, in my opinion. I use it all the time. Love it. Glad to have Harrison on. Harrison, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me on. No problem. No problem. Well, for those of you that don't know American Soccer Analysis, uh, can you go ahead and just tell us a bit about the website? How did you guys get this started? Uh, who's involved? And why did you guys even get together in the first place to decide, hey, this is a, this is a gap we need to fill we're going to do it. We're going to spend our free time uh, doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, a we're we're huge nerds, uh, so that that's that's part of it. Um, the other, so it's myself, uh, Matthias Kulowatz, Kevin Minkus, Andrew uh, Olson. We we make up the bulk of just kind of the management of the site, and then a lot of people kind of do all the the gap filling and so on and so forth. We came about in uh, 2003, roughly 2002, 2003, or excuse me, 2013. Holy crap. Uh, 2012, 2013. I'm trying to give us 10 more extra years because it sounds really good. Um, Yeah, so we came about basically because there was nothing more than goals and uh, assists and we kind of thought that was lousy and it was a lousy way to kind of interpret the game because there's a lot of guys that weren't scoring goals that were really good and there were some guys that maybe got unlucky that we really couldn't tell or, or sift through and find out whether they're unlucky or not and that bothered us significantly. Uh, Matthias and I both kind of come from uh, the world and realm of uh, baseball and we had both of us kind of went through our college years reading Dave Cameron who's a uh, uh, was a writer for Fangraphs uh, before that did a blog on USS Mariner and before and then afterwards uh, he's been hired by the San Diego Padres to run their analytics department Um, but that's kind of what I grew up through um, kind of my my college years slash um, really my first deployment um, and and got exposed to a lot of that and a lot of things that I was kind of thinking fast forward to 2012 2013 Matthias and I both were like, dude, we need to, we need to do something about this and we should bring this to soccer. At which case he's like, I have this friend drew who's really smart. And I was like, let's get him on. Let's, let's, let's try to, let's try to do something. And, and it's just kind of grown. And, you know, it's kind of funny because Michael Cayley kind of started doing his thing right around that time. Uh, And there's a few other people that started putting out stuff that summer as well. Um, 
kind of uh, predated stats bomb, but it was where uh, Ted Nutson started doing stuff in his blog as well. So mm-hmm. it, it just kind of was everything was spurred together all within that that same six to 12 month uh, period. And it just seemed like a really good time for everyone to start saying there has to be a better way about this. And it kind of was co-sponsored by the idea that uh, Opta was coming on. And sure. then you also had stats DNA. Um, you also had... Um, there's a couple other data sources that basically kind of um, just started get, kind of getting started and um, data started becoming um, maybe not really available, but there started to become glimpses of it and people started doing white papers and you started seeing some interest in it. And uh, that's kind of where we got started and how it's kind of evolved. I mean, we've, so we've gone back, we collected 2011, 2012 data and uh, we try to keep that on the site, even though it's not really, it, we have complete what we put out there, but like we were missing minutes from 2011 to uh, 2014, which, you know, is a, it's a little bit sucky to be missing kind of portions of the data set. But uh, I mean, we at least have shots and shot placement, which leads to uh, expected goals and expected assists. So that's, that's fun. And so that's, that's yeah. kind of, uh, that's, that's a little bit about us. So, so I, I have a question for you. Um, you know, I've heard every every once in a while our our native or our uh, our, our local um, data statistician here, uh, Lucy Rushton, will will go on a rant about how there aren't enough <laughs> data analytics people in in soccer in general. Um, but also, you know, it's just hard to find those jobs, especially in MLS. And I'm just wondering, you you have a much better perspective on this than I do. Um, how, how many teams are, are all teams involved in anal- analytics at some point? Do they all have their own data people or are they uh, kind of like crowdsourcing some of it? Well, it, it, it seems like it's a, it seems like it should be an obvious um, structure to implement within an organization, but it seems like it's not an easy job to come by. So there's two lies that every MLS team tells itself. Uh, number one is that it's invested in data. Um, <laughs> and they will, they, they, everyone will tell you, yes, we're doing, we're doing it to say, I mean, you can read, uh, who is it that, that put up, I think it not, wasn't Grant Wall, Ryan, uh, it was somebody for SI. They, they went through and they interviewed a bunch of teams. It's the ambition, it's their yearly and annual uh, ambition oh, rating. Brian Strauss. Uh, ranking. Brian Strauss, thank you. I, I was trying to. I was uh, name was escaping me. Uh, yeah. So he interviewed every team and was basically like, "What do you do?" And I, I, I don't know every every team. I don't have that much insight. People aren't that interested in talking with me, really. Um, but I know enough to know that there's a couple teams that were lying, <laughs> or at least exaggerating what what cards they held. Um, you know, uh, some teams, there's a couple teams that were like, Hey, you know, we, we employ, uh, an, uh, multiple analytics, uh, individuals. Well, yeah, but they're all focused on your ticket sales, right? right. Like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's not true. Like, that's not really what you're not really using that for on the field measurement or something. Not, it's not equivalent to what Lucy's doing, you know, in Atlanta. It's not equivalent to what Devin's doing in Toronto or, uh, the, the, there's a couple of guys at DC. There's one up in New England. There's one in, you know, Oliver uh, Gage, who is a videographer as well as he does a little bit of data with uh, Houston. Houston has a couple folks. Um, SKC had people, but 
um, parted ways with them and they haven't been able to seem to kind of fit that personality. Seattle has an individual, but um, he focuses more on um, the training aspects and uh, the, the sports uh, physio portion of it. And almost yeah, and the majority of teams have some sort of fitness. Uh, somebody focused on fitness and focused on video, but not everyone has a Lucy. And I think that that's really that's one thing that Atlanta stands out from the crowd uh, from because Lucy is specifically tailored to their front office, and she's absolutely right. Teams do not invest enough in this, and and to be perfectly honest, most of them are looking for stuff for free, and um, th- this isn't isolated or unique to soccer this is pretty um all over um especially in the nba you're seeing more teams start to pay people but the idea is hey you should be happy that you're getting to work in a sports environment so um i don't care if you know you're the lebron james of your skill set um you're working in sports so you should be happy um, which it, such it, it's, it's crap. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, w- I would really like to see more people get involved with it. Um, I think that's kind of why we try to put as much data out there is so that we can get, excuse me, more people involved with uh, measuring stuff, because to be perfectly honest, it's still really in its infancy. And, um, you know, we, we want people to be doing new and uh, cool things so that we can under get a better understanding of what's what we can do. Right. And what we can measure. It, it's I'm interesting. Sorry, how, go ahead, go ahead how Sam. Should MLS teams be using this? What's the advantage for them for for the person you know who may not be super into analytics or even questions of validity entirely with regards to soccer? What would you suggest for MLS teams to kind of uh, shake that off and take the next step forward and, and use it their advantage? How would they do that? Well, uh, first of all, people that uh, are questioning the validity, I think, are already uh, more akin to analytics than, <laughs> than they realize <laughs> by questioning them. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is a salary cap league, right? I mean, obviously, there's ways to circumvent it to some extent, the whole TAM cam and, you know, uh, the various nuances of that. Um, but ultimately, you have a fixed budget. You have only so much money that you can spend. And um getting the most out of, out of that is important while you know you people can go around and be like oh arthur blank throws around tons of money and that's why atlanta is so much better atlanta is so much better because they've invested resources not just in their team atlanta has been really good about finding uh underutilized i mean anton walks last year was a great under uh you know under the radar signing and and mm-hmm. using different avenues to procure uh your senior roster is is vital. Uh, Romario Williams is another uh, case who's been really good in in off moments. And you know what? You don't have to have. Not every one of them has to be this huge um, all star that you're uh, underpaying and fitting in your budget. Sometimes it's finding that guy that's the twelfth, the thirteenth, the fourteenth player on your roster that can fill in and fill in and punch above his weight class. And if you can do that in MLS you can absolutely win the shield. And I think that's that's kind of where um, Atlanta is. Now, obviously, Atlanta does have uh, the added bonus that they have an owner that's very invested in their senior roster. And so they can spend that money. And that's and that's been great. And that's a, when you couple all those things together, um, it, it leads to big things. 
Yeah, it, it, it's pretty evident. I mean, just when you when you go over and visit the the training center, I mean, just the they they spare no expense um, to borrow a phrase. And it, it really I think it shows, you know, as you mentioned, it shows, you know, their roster is not nearly as expensive as some of the other ones in the league. I mean, um, Toronto is paying some of the, you know, the three highest DP um, wages around. I mean, they're pl- pl- paying what, like their three DPs are probably all in the top 10. They have to be uh, probably even closer, closer up to the top five. So um, Atlanta's are not even not even close to that approaching it, but they're getting, you know, they're just, they're getting value. And not to say that Toronto's not done well in that regard. I mean, obviously they were one of the, they were the best team in MLS history uh, last season. So, you know, every team has their own Avenue for getting, you know, to to a championship and doing what they need to do. But it's just kind of interesting to see. Um, you can just tell that the club in general um, does what they need to do away from the 30 players on, on the squad to uh, make themselves successful. Um I did want to kind of talk to you about um, Atlanta, though, just kind of is there anything that jumps out to you analytically about them? It's kind of interesting. I I just came across uh, one of your colleagues. uh, You may call him a gap filler, if you will, uh, which I'm sure he'll appreciate that term. uh, Teoto football. uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, he 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 sent we were just chatting about uh, Joseph Martinez and stuff, and he sent along a tweet that Michael Cayley, one of these analytics uh, guys, um, who I actually talk with from time to time. I'm, I'm in a slack with him, so we converse occasionally. Um, he talked about Joseph Martinez, and he basically says that, you know, Joseph Martinez is maybe a guy who is replaceable. Um, and that sounds harsh, but basically what he's saying is that Atlanta produces a lot of expected goals, like an astronomical amount of expected goals for him. And, he's basically just finishing what they're creating for him. Um, and I kind of wanted to get your take on that. Cause it sounds, it sounds bad, but when you, then when you think about it, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, um, I just wrote an article this morning about how I think you could make the case that Joseph was better last season than he is this season. The only difference being is that he missed a bunch of time with injury last season. I mean, if you look at his finishing numbers, he was finishing, he was scoring at a higher rate and he was on average shooting with a lower expected goal amount um, per shot, like by 60%. Um, what's your take on Joseph? What do you, what, what, he, I mean, he's having such a crazy year. What, what do you, what do you, what's your take? Uh, so I, I don't want to like go back against, uh, what Michael's saying. Cause, uh, Kaylee's a really smart guy. Uh, I do kind of fall on the other side. I think that he's having a much better season. I think, um, number one, he's, he is finding outrageous space. Um, it, it's just, it's space that, we've not ever seen basically uh the average shot leverage so basically the quality of shot that mark uh joseph's creating um at on every shot is higher than pretty much anyone in our, our data set so to couple that he's also doing it predominantly by himself if you look at who's assisted the most on his shots it's actually himself. And that sounds kind of crazy to think about. And and that's not to say that, you know, he's, you know, magically stealing the ball and then taking it all the way up and taking the shot himself. But what that means is he's, he's creating space for himself, either through rebounds, through deflections, through an assortment of various uh, utilities at his disposal um, to include his outrageous uh, speed and just natural 
he naturally knows where people are at. It's very uh, Chris Wondolowski-ish in that he just knows how to position himself. I don't know if he's quite as replaceable as Kaylee would make it seem. Um, That's just my opinion. I think what he's doing is so unique to this league. I don't think that that's going to... I, I don't think that that's something that you're just going to be able to bring somebody in and completely replicate. That being said, how much better is he above that next player that you're going to be able to bring in? I don't know. Um, that's probably a discussion that's worth having, right? Um, if you were to say, put, uh, I don't know, Bradley Wright Phillips in his spot, there's probably not too much of a difference. Uh, put, um, I don't know, let's say, just pick somebody out, Ola Kamara, for instance. There's probably not much of a difference. I And Kamara's making less money, obviously. Uh, I think he's now, no, he's still on TAM. He's not a, a DP. So you yeah. could arguably probably bring in a TAM striker and get upwards of... 80% of what Martinez is doing, which I mean, still really, really good. Um, it, it's Martinez is just pushing the envelope further than what we've ever seen it before. And he's doing it through uh, primarily through his own skill set. Um, that would be my observation. Um, but okay. I think that there's a couple different ways, ways to slice this. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see what he does in Europe because I think that's really going to. I, I think you know, one sense I get it from people in analytics, and I think this is, I think this is kind of Kaylee's um, opinion. I don't want to like speak for him, so don't take this verbatim. But I think like you know, there is some skepticism about how players perform um, going by you know by typical advanced advanced metrics in MLS, specifically because. It's a salary cap league. A lot of teams are spending a lot of money on attacking players rather than offensive players. So it's hard to determine how some of those analytics will transfer from from the league. And and honestly, we haven't seen a ton of, you know, players moving um, from the league to Europe. A lot of a lot of uh, MLS transfers are obviously coming in. So it'll be interesting to see what these guys do, these guys who are you know, and I'm not talking about like your run of the mill players, but uh, you know, like these big time players like Joseph Martinez, Miguel Almiron, when they get their moves to Europe, whenever that might be, um, what do they do over there? And, and I, I think it, you know, I, this is going to sound a little pompous, but I think, or like self-righteous, but I think that, you know, um, every MLS fan should kind of be rooting for these guys to produce when they go over there, because it's only better for the league. Um, and it gives more, you know, the, the stats that he's putting up, um, it kind of gives them a little bit more weight if he goes over and then is able to, you know, not replicate them. Obviously, he won't be replicating some the stuff that he's doing now in Europe, but be, at least be able to kind of like justify the fat, the transfer, the money spent um, on players from the league. And that, you know, hopefully that will just be a snowball effect and more and more teams can feel the effects of that. No, I think that's 100% spot on. I think that the league uh, defense as a whole is kind of taking a step back. But something I've kind of thought about a lot recently is, you know, there's a lot of defenses that this year had a lot of injuries as well. And so you kind of couple the two together. And I think that that 
that leads to some of the reason why we've seen uh, so much more scoring and so many chance, so many more chances created. And yeah, absolutely. I think everybody in MLS should be desiring to see uh, everybody that goes over to the uh, the international market. They should be rooting for those guys to score be- uh, and, and succeed because yeah, um, no one's going to want to come to MLS if if those numbers aren't validated in some way. I wanted to talk to you about uh, something else that you wrote recently. You wrote a great, great piece that I'm sure took a long time to do, uh, which was basically ranking the wingers in MLS. I thought it was really interesting. So um, great job on that, by the way. Uh, and I'll link it in our in our podcast notes um, for everybody to go look at it. If they haven't, we'll share it from our Twitter as well. Um, highly recommended. But I wanted to ask you about one Ezekiel Barco. Because you had him ranked quite highly. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he was ranked. I want to say like, well, I can't remember because there were a few Atlanta United I players. I want to say eight? Yeah, I was going to say like seven or eight or something like that. Um, anyway, that is much higher. I, I think a lot of Atlanta United fans might rank him seventh or eighth on the team. <laughs> um, he's just kind of underperformed, especially when it comes to not the advanced analytics or advanced metrics, but just like your basic, you know, not a lot of goals or not, and not a lot of assists. Um especially from a $15 million player. So I wanted to ask you just kind of why, what, what led you to, to putting that much value in him in, in terms of your rankings? All right. So first, before we get started, like uh, it, it might be that he's the third or fourth best winger on this team. That's, that's completely <laughs> plausible, right? And that's, and that's to no detriment to Ezekiel Barco. You guys just have some fantastic young players, uh, both in Carlton and then, you know, uh, Gressel, uh, Viaba. I mean, they're just, you guys have spades when it comes to that. And that's great. Um, what I looked at specifically was what they had done um, event-wise this season that we could measure, right? So uh, that's not to say, you know, what his potential is. That's not to say, you know, uh, whether or not he's underperformed or overperformed. It's purely looking at what he's done up to this point. And what he's done and what he's been asked to do is basically function in a support role. And that's been really good. When he's getting uh, gotten the opportunity to get into open space, he's won his one-on-ones. I mean, we, we aren't seeing it very frequently, but he's winning one-on-ones pretty easily and with that he's creating high leverage opportunities off those um if the plan is to move him into central midfield after um almiron leaves or if almiron leaves um i think it's a marvelous idea and we kind of saw a glimpse of it and a couple of different occasions with uh against orlando this weekend he he makes it look really easy but he has this almost this second step that he takes when he's getting past uh, defenders and it makes him kind of look like he glides almost on the ball and it just freezes. Uh, Shane O'Neill specifically stepped up to try to um, come to him, but realized he just had stepped already too late and it created this pocket of space that uh, Barco was able to slip through uh, to Viaba, which created the opportunity for Martinez who uh, just put the shot wide but it was just that clip was really magnificent and I think it really showcased and encapsulated what he does really well and that's he makes smart passes and he's just really elegant uh, with the ball at his feet 
Um, now there's a lot of stuff that he definitely needs to improve on, but the things that we can measure right now, he's very good and he's going to get better. And so, yeah, I, 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 I think a lot of him, um, but at the same time, I'm very cognizant that he still needs to improve. And there's stuff that, um, that I'm probably not measuring that you guys see on a weekly basis that you're like, Oh my God, would he just not do that? And, uh, yeah, I I can commiserate with that on, on different levels. Well, it's funny because I think that a lot of the things that people want to see is they want to see him go forward more and he doesn't, you know, he's, he's involved in buildup. And it was funny. I was just actually looking the other day at his, um, his gold chain and his expected buildup. And those numbers are sky high, like compared to the rest of his, you know, attacking oh, just output. Right. You, you would just think, right. Exactly. Exactly. So no, no, I, I say that because, uh, okay. So I, a little look behind the curtain. We've been, uh, last that those numbers are like a month and a half out of date. So, oh, okay. um, we're about to release, uh, and Matthias is probably going to kill me. It, it's uh, okay. About he, to... hasn't, he hasn't played in about a month and a half. So, uh, his might not change. Damn it. All right. Uh, point taken. Uh, <laughs> that being said, we've done some adjustments. We've made some some changes in how we're doing position chains. Basically, how we're how we're calculating uh, a possession. Um, we've made some changes and he comes out looking uh, really, really good. In fact, he some of his numbers have kind of increased. Um, so his expected buildup is over a goal a game per 96 minutes, Holy cow. Um, which that's that's really good for like <laughs> if you're not sure if that's really good that's very very good and in fact if you look at players that have a minimum of a thousand minutes he leads he's ahead of uh victor vasquez almiron uh Majujin, uh thomas martinez maxi morales i mean the guys that are critical to the buildup of really good um at least chance creating teams barco's better than all of them and um, on top of that, he's involved in more of the team's possession chains than any of those players. Um, it, he's even involved more so than uh, Almiron, which is kind of a surprise to me. Um, mm. So I, I think that that just sometimes his involvement's a little bit transparent and buildup itself can be transparent sometimes because there's these, especially for Atlanta, quick one, two passes that is designed to free up players and allow them to go forward. And when you have a guy that's not the one that's going forward, he's often the person that you miss in the buildup. That's really interesting. That's fascinating. Actually. Uh, I cannot wait for that stuff to be released and we'll definitely be taking a look at it when it is um that's awesome so we're kind of running out of time here um but i did want to just get your quick thoughts on dc before we before we get out of here um they are doing something really interesting in my opinion i'm just fascinated by ben olsen's tactical deployment that he's got going there i think it's as as just a you know neutral watching them it's so exciting to watch (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, there is someone in DC like craning their head, like, what's happening right now? Like that spider sense is tingling. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just find them so exciting with uh, you know, Assad, Acosta, um, uh Ariola, Steber, that that front four, and then obviously bringing in Rooney. Just wanted to kind of get your opinion on on DC. Um my my thing is I like DC. I don't think they match up well with Atlanta because they're really built to go forward and attack and use those creative players at their disposal. And I think that that just plays right into Atlanta's hands. I think 
um, there, there was a debate um, on Twitter that some people were having, I think that you were involved in about saying like, why would a team, you know, someone complaining about teams bunkering against Atlanta. And it's like, yeah, well, why would a team not bunker? Like, why would they come out and just play Atlanta's game? That's where Atlanta's going to thrive. But it seems to me like a DC United is kind of built that way. And I don't know if they have another way to go right now. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on the game and kind of give us, give us your prediction on how, how things will go down. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of, it's twofold, right? Uh, Rooney played a lot of minutes the other night. Um, I kind of wonder whether or not they will bunker encounter and they have Darren Maddox and, and, you know, I heard someone say, I don't remember what pad podcast it was, but they were like, in what world would you trust Darren Maddox to lead a charge over Atlanta United over <laughs> Wayne Rooney? And uh, it, it's a little jab, you know, it, it, Darren Maddox's career trajectory hasn't quite been what we've all foreseen that it would be, uh, especially what it was coming out of Akron. But he's kind of taken this weird step forward. And I don't know if, if Acosta or if it's Stiver or who exactly it is that's responsible for it. If he's just getting better service, uh, if it's just not um, getting uh, uh, $11 billion crosses every game uh, that he's supposed to magically do something with as a sub six foot forward. Um, but he's really turned, not only that, but he's He's taking more shots. He's more confident. It, it, it's very similar to uh, Jesse Zardes and the step that he's taken forward now. So I would really, I think that they will bunker encounter. And I think that they're going to make this game difficult. And I think that they're going to rely on Maddox up top. And I think that they're going to try to beat at, uh, Atlanta based off of what everybody is trying to do to Atlanta right now. And eventually Atlanta is going to figure it out because uh, you, you, if you guys haven't figured it out, you guys are really good soccer team <laughs> well we appreciate that we, we definitely appreciate that um yeah i think it should be a fascinating game and you're you're right i mean strikers like maddox are the ones that have given atlanta trouble um no doubt about it so it'll be really interesting to see what they do and um how the game goes down but um harrison this has been great very informative i've learned a lot i think our listeners will have learned a lot so uh really appreciate you coming on and kind of sharing your sharing your wisdom with us today yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, you guys can uh, follow me at Drew J. Olson. <laughs> Send hate mail to him. <laughs> uh, that's 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 our editor. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Nice. We'll we'll definitely do that. We'll definitely send uh, ask our followers to send the hate that way. But seriously, everybody, go check out uh, American Soccer Analysis. It's a it's a wonderful site, and you can learn from it too. If you don't know anything about metrics and you want to get and you want to start to kind of dip your feet into advanced analytics, there's explainers for everything that's on there. So you can just just read the site. Um, they've got great articles, and then if you go into their tables, like everything is kind of explained very very nicely. So. Um, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. And it's one of the few places that you're going to get data that, that that's that um, like widespread throughout an entire league openly for free. It's it's kind of amazing to me that um, it's available to us. I think we're pretty lucky as fans. So um, definitely check that out. And um, again, thanks for coming on, Harrison. We appreciate it. And we'll try to get you back sometime. All right. Sounds good, guys. And now for something completely different. So that was fun, Sam. That was excellent. That was excellent. That could have gone on for 
for many, many more hours. I had many a baseball question and everything like that kind of in the back of my mind. And I didn't get to touch on it with Harrison uh, just because of, of time constraints, but it's always so interesting to me the difference between baseball analytics and how those have been embraced in such a way that it has become, you know, you look at the video board at SunTrust Park, you've got goofy things with goofy acronyms like war and OPS plus and all sorts of things going on with that. Um, And it's been embraced. It's been embraced. And it it took a while when the analytics for baseball started with Bill James back in forever ago, Mm -hmm. but it has been embraced in soccer. Man, there is still some pitchfork and, and torch folks there. As far as that goes, anytime you start bringing up any kind of statistical analysis and Seattle football can tell you as much as anyone, if you put something up like that on the DSS site, uh, sometimes our commenters will be like, well, this doesn't matter because it's soccer. Yeah. Um, I, think, I, think you know, I think they'll readily admit to that. There are false. Harrison mentioned at one point that if you are questioning the validity of the analytics, you're being analytical. You're, you're, you're trying to assess the value of it, which is exactly what they're doing. Um, it's just going to take some time to get it tweaked and kind of work it out and uh, assess value to players who aren't scoring goals and getting assists all the time, which is where that XG chain stat comes in, which is a whole big complicated thing. But it, it's a lot, much more abstract version of analytics in soccer. And to me, that's really. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's a, that's a really great description of it to call it like an abstract version of, of what baseball is doing. Cause in baseball, you have much more controlled events, right? Like an bat, net bat, a pitch, everything is so controlled and the same. So it's the measurements are like really clean as opposed to in soccer, you know, there's, there's various stuff, but I think that there's also like a political aspect to it in that, you know, the people in power right now, the GMs, the video analysts, the scouts, you know, like those people. I mean, it's only natural that they'd be a little more hesitant to accept the fact that, you know, data analytics could, you know, be just as important as they are to an organization. You know, like this right. is their livelihood. This is, these are their jobs, um, you know, and you don't want people come in taking your jobs. To, uh, <laughs> to steal a line but um so it's interesting i i, I find it fascinating all the analytics stuff and, and and the thing is like i find it fascinating at the same time i can look at it with a grain of salt like like i'm not like taking any specific metric and using it like as gospel you know it's just another tool in the tool belt when it comes to analyzing a game, analyzing a player, uh, you know, all that, all those kinds of things. It's just like another perspective to take. Um, so I think it's all helpful. And I, I honestly find the people who are like, Oh, what are all these letters? You know, like X, X marks the spot, you know, like it, these people are, I, I just find it like, man, you just sound really dumb and you're just rejecting data that could possibly help you learn something, you know, to help you reach an insight that you didn't have otherwise. So I am shocked the American public has adverse reactions to learning things. Just just shocked. Uh, Like you said, you don't want to take these things as gospel, but I was kind of looking through uh, some American soccer analysis stuff. Again, go check out the website at AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com and read some of Harrison's work as well. Uh, But looking at the table for, for team data this year, Atlanta United leads in expected goals. Four and is second in expected goals allowed. 
So the the chances they're allowing and the chances they're created are at both ends of the spectrum. And it just kind of it's a testament to how dominant we've been this year, which is which is crazy because, you know, we're we're a point down the supporter shield standings. It may be four by the uh, time the game starts on Sunday. We do have a game to talk about. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. I mean, I feel like not a lot has changed since we last. I mean, we only played we only played DC like what a month ago. Yeah, it hadn't been long. I believe so, that was the first Barco game. That's correct. The Barco list game. That's correct. So we'll be even stronger um, in the, in this game than we than we were for that one. Um, can't say I have any much of a different opinion about DC United than I had at the time, or what I you know kind of what I expressed to. Harrison there, which is just that um, I agree with him that I think that their best, you know, the best strategy against Atlanta United in general, not just for DC United, but just any team is to sit deeper, bunker, um, try to hit quick on the counter. I think that that's only natural. Um, I think it's kind of obvious, to be honest, but um, I just don't know if DC is set up with the players at their disposal to be able to do that. I just don't know. I just Well, I'll say it. I, by saying I don't know, it means I don't think they can do that. So <laughs> I'm actually feeling pretty confident about this game. Obviously, Atlanta United has been great on the road this year anyway. Um, and so I just don't really see any of that changing, to be honest. It's not like DC's done anything lately to instill a whole lot of confidence in them. Last night, 2 nothing loss to Philadelphia. Uh, they had a loss before that to Red Bulls, which is completely understandable. Uh, but it's a better and improved team. It's still not a team that is extremely threatening to what we're trying to do in a lot of cases. Um, that being said, could they bunker and screw around a little bit and somehow pull out a draw and completely ruin our whole season? Maybe, maybe. But but all signs kind of point towards this being another game where Atlanta United continues their march towards the best road record in MLS history, which is happening right now. <laughs> Yeah, believe it or not, it's crazy. It's crazy that there's two teams that are currently on their march to the best team in MLS history. I think, you know, the biggest thing we have to worry about, quite frankly, is uh, make sure we don't have Tata Martino getting hit with a steel rafter on the head uh, or, or, or you know, some some loose nuts and bolts flying off and hitting our players. Yes, so someone uh, we will make Justin Veldhaus or Veldhaus uh, carry like a... A steel umbrella above him, or something—some kind of shield yeah. to protect Tata the entire time. They need to get—they need to make sure they're in one of those dugouts that's in, like you know, a Concacaf, uh, right, 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 or something that has the the plexiglass like, half dome over them, so that they're the people on the bench are at least covered. Exactly, exactly. But but I, I'm honestly not sure how much we really need to to say about DC United at this point. We know what they're about. We know what they're going to bring us. Um, we know how we're going to set up at this point. It's kind of just, mm-hmm. let's see what happens and hope we don't get caught scoreboard watching too much because Red Bulls do play before us that day. And if we start pressing, you know, say we do go down four points and for whatever reason, people start going, oh, we need to to win this or, or we're out and we start pressing a little bit and things go wonky, then that's the worst case scenario. I don't really see it happening though. 
Yeah. And I, and I think as far as our lineup goes, you know, I think things are pretty predictable for us at this point. I think we'll probably go with what we went with against Orlando. It doesn't look like Franco Escobar. We haven't heard any news from him yeah. having returned to training. So it looks like, um, I, well, I would assume Gressel will just be back there at right back, um, which I think is good. It'll be interesting to see him Here for play it. against. Yeah. Play, play against a little, you know, in a higher, you know, intensity game. Uh, maybe not. That's not the right way to say it, but just against a higher level of competition in DC United. So that'll be interesting to see, but I don't see anyone else playing right back. Um, I don't see them changing, changing anything on that front. So, um, yeah, I think we can go ahead and wrap this up. I mean, unless you had anything else to add, but I think that, um, everything's pretty much set, you know, we're just going to go out there and win for nothing and come back and just business as usual. Right. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. I'll say, I'll say two, nothing. I'll say it's kind of tight, but I'll say two nothing. That's I'm point. not actually going to go four nothing. I'll go three one. I feel like that's a that's been a a solid score for us this year, and I feel like we never keep a, a clean sheet nowadays. So I'll go three one. It seems like it, but man, our defense this year is pretty incredible, all things considered. Well, it's like we never give up two. It's like we're just going to give. Right. Up, well, I, I shouldn't say that because we gave up two to Toronto. But um, when's the last, I don't know. We we haven't had a clean sheet in a while. I'd have to look it up, which I have not done. But um. Philadelphia back in July. Yeah. So it was about what, six weeks ago? Something like that. Yeah, it's been a second. So it'll be interesting. Uh we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I think I think a pretty, both of us kind of agree on a pretty, pretty comfortable win. We'll say. All right. Sounds good. We'll have an H dad to you guys after that one at some point as well. We gotta kind of figure out the logistics of that because I'm sure we'll both be yeah, that one probably won't. It's a long weekend, so maybe we'll do a two. We'll probably do a Tuesday release there. Yeah, that's that sounds solid to me. Sounds solid to me. Cluster weekend, Joe Patrick. It's upon us. The legend <laughs> cluster weekend. Once Can't wait. Descends upon Atlanta and rednecks wearing Auburn gear and nerds and Comic Con and people celebrating Black Gay Pride all descend to the same spot. And it's beautiful, and I love it. And it's my favorite weekend of the whole year. I'm very, very excited. I can't explain enough how much I love Cluster Weekend. It's good stuff. You any plans? Any plans for Cluster Weekend, Joe Patrick? You know, it's funny. I'm actually, I have to go out of town. My, I have a wedding engagement party thing I have to go to in Charlotte. Um, so I'm actually going to the Shutdown Fullcast Friday night. Oh, hey, I'll be there. And, and then headed straight from there to drive up to Charlotte. I'll be arriving around 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, and then I'm hustling back Sunday for the game. So I'm kind of running around that weekend. Speaking of shutdown full cast, now's a great time to plug that episode we did a while back with uh, Spencer Hall of the shutdown full cast, uh, who talked to us about his first Atlanta United game. That was a fun interview. Really an evergreen podcast too. We'll, 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 yeah. we'll share it again. It's, it's a, uh, it's a good one. You can listen to it at any time. It's kind of just Spencer talking about his experience with Atlanta United and just the club in general, less, less so of a preview show. So that's a good one. Yeah. no, I got a big weekend here, man. Cluster weekends treating me right. Treating me right. You going to be in Atlanta all weekend? Uh, I'll be back and forth between here and Athens. Okay. You know, there, there's a football game or two going on. Uh, oh, that's right. Around my way. Uh, so we'll see. Totally forgot football starting this weekend. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. All right. That'll do it here from Five Stripe Final. We'll catch you guys soon. Talk to you later. Tyler Simmons was on sides. Bye, y'all. See ya.